Matthew now let's go Matthew chapter 2 please time of the year that we refer to as the Christmas season. Let me make sure that you clearly understand I'm well aware of Jesus Christ was most likely born in September or October. I also am aware that there are certain things that other people pervert and misuse and I'm not going to quit having the Lord's Supper because the Catholics misuse it or stop baptizing because of what the Church of Christ does. You have to have some sense and some balance to certain things. And when I refer to the Christmas season, I'm not referring to Santa Claus coming down a chimney and all the commercialization. But for me, it's a great time to reflect back on the fact that they just sang heaven came and touched earth below and came in the form of a little baby. And that, to me, is uh, it, it's more than just the immaculate conception. It's more than just the virgin birth. It's an amazing thing that the God that created everything and always was would put himself in a human form and grow up just like you and me and be born in a stable. I, I, I have a hard time grabbing that in my mind to subject himself to not even being able to speak just to be in the form of a baby of a baby and getting hungry like you and I get hungry and thirsty and crying and needing his clothes changed and things like that uh, the fact that he would do that is an amazing thing to me and it says a lot about the man that died for you so I hope that you'll give me the liberty to understand that there's some things that are actually in the Bible uh, and rather than wait until September or October to preach them, and I'll preach you a few messages on things maybe that we can learn in this case today from the wise men uh, that talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. But I'm not commercializing things. None of this stuff here, it's beautiful and I love it. That's not done to draw attention for commercialization or anything. Amen. That's done so that you remember that Jesus Christ was born. Yeah. And then he lived and died, yes. was buried and resurrected again yes. the third day. Matthew chapter number 2, we'll talk a little bit about what the Lord refers to as a wise man. I'm just going to give you a few verses. We'll let you be seated after Brother Larry prays. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, noticed from the east to Jerusalem. I mentioned that to you in Sunday school. They're going the opposite way of the world. The world goes from west to east. The sun goes from east to west. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Bad direction for you to go contrary of east to west. It is uh, in the Bible you'll find on a regular basis that people are getting in trouble. When you leave the tabernacle you're going out west to east. When you leave the garden over there when Cain gets kicked out, it's west to east. When Adam and Eve are kicked out, it's west to east. When Jacob leaves, he goes west to east and he has to come back from east to west to be able to get back to where God wants him to be in Bethel. There's a connection to that thing. The earth turns west to east. The sun turns east to west. Now, why is that important? Because the world is contrary to the Lord. You don't want to go the way of the world, west to east. You want to go east to west. 
Notice what he says here. The Bible said, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we're come to worship him. When Herod the king was, it wasn't Sunday night, obviously. When Herod the king was, had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, uh, a land of Judah, art not at the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Brother Larry, pray for us, would you please? Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus and because of him this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what we've heard already this morning. Thank you for coming off a week and then being able to come to church with the doors being open here. Thank you that we know that we're going to hear the Word of God preached. We thank you, Lord, that we can hear spiritual hymns and songs that lift you up already have been sung. Thank you for families in this church, Lord, that uh, you've directed in such a manner through the Word of God and, and not insisted on them, but helped them along the way uh, that their families might sing and glorify you in song. Thank you for that. Thank you for the good testimony for my brother, for the baby. And on and on we can thank you, Lord. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this meeting house. Thank you for this setting. Thank you for the old-fashioned ways. Uh, Lord, the old landmarks be in honor. We thank you for that. Thank you for giving us a preacher that will stand by the Word of God and Amen. use him continually. And we don't take that lightly. We don't take it for granted. We just ask continually that you might continue to use him. Have your hand upon him this day, this hour. We'll give you all the glory for what's said and done. May you direct every word from his mouth. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It can be seated. It's important for you to keep in the back of your mind now, even though when we do what's called a nativity scene or a, a scene of the birth of Christ, you'll often have the manger scene there with the baby Jesus in there. And then other times you'll have Mary and Joseph that join that. And then in the background you'll have the shepherds. In Luke chapter number 2, the Bible teaches that when they came to visit him, that the Lord was a baby. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. For the angel, but the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and, good, uh, and goodwill toward men. Now here's what happened. Those shepherds heard that and said, Let's go and see this. And when they came, they saw him as a baby. Here you'll see him referred to as a young child. There's a reason. The reason is, is when these wise men show up, the child is no longer in a barn. He's no longer in a stable. He's no longer in a manger. He is grown up there, probably around 18 months old, maybe up to two years of age. And he's in a house. That's where they come to see him. Now you've got to keep that in the back of your mind. Because when you have the Orient, the, the three kings from Orient are, we usually put them and their camels and their gifts and stuff. That's just to show you the whole picture, not what actually occurred. The baby was born. They saw his star in the east and they came from the east and when they saw the star they said the king has been born. It looks like that star probably dissipates for a while, goes away for a little while because it looks like it's nearly two years that it takes them to make the journey to find the kid. I want to say, first of all, in the first two verses of that thing there, you'll find out these men are wise because they had enough sins to follow the light God gave them. Amen. 
In other words, all they saw was a star and they said, you know what, we've been reading our Bible in the Old Testament it says that uh, he'll have a star that'll mark his birth and we saw that thing take place and can I say this to him? the star didn't keep shining. They saw the star and they said, we need to go find him and they started off and can I say this, secondly, they're wise because they walked by faith. You say, what do you mean they walked by faith? They saw a star and assumed what they'd been reading in the scriptures were right. And so they started out, even though they didn't see the star every single day. You say, what does that take? It takes a wise man according to what the Bible says. I mean, think about this. Isn't that how you walk? I mean, doesn't God give you little glimmers, little glimpses of light every now and then? Isn't the first light that he ever gave you, wasn't that light to show you Jesus? He didn't show you all the things about the King James Bible and rightly dividing. He didn't show you all the other things, the wonders and the marvels in the book. He didn't show you all those things. The first light you ever had was just a light to light up Jesus. You just got a chance to see Jesus. It wouldn't be bad if we just just remembered, you know what, we got that one right. I mean, I realize a lot of preaching is on how we ought to live and what we ought to do and our attitudes and all that other kind of stuff. But boy, just longing for the days of when I met Jesus, I thought, boy, this is as good as it can possibly ever get. I was blinded to everything else. You know, one of the strangest thing is, is when that light comes into your eyes, it tends to blind you about everything except Him. Amen. I long for the days to just see Jesus and not see all the hypocrites in the church and not see all the ne'er-do-wells and not see all the difficulties and the problems. They set out and they decided to go there. You say, why? Bible said they were wise men. They followed the light ahead. Can I say this to you? God doesn't give the same light to everybody. Amen. You're not going to be a Dr. Ruckman if I could use that as an illustration unless God gives you supernatural light. Doesn't mean you shouldn't strive, but you can't duplicate someone else's light. The only thing you can do is follow the light that you have at that particular moment. And can I say this? It may be a glimmer. It may be the right direction. And you might start in that direction and that light goes out. You say, what do you do? Do you stop? No, you keep going on the last order that he gave you. And you continue to be faithful to keep doing that. How long was he going to go? When Abraham left in the Old Testament, he sought out a builder, I mean a city whose builder and maker was God. God didn't tell him where it was and didn't tell him how long it would take to get there. And he made a couple of baubles along the way and then he came back to the tree trunk and then started back out after he made a mess with his dad down there in Egypt. And Egypt happened to be going in the wrong direction because he went from west to east. And then when he came back, guess what he had to do? He had to come back from east to west. And then when he got back on the right track, the Lord got him along there. He'd wake up every day and say, maybe today, honey. And she said, well, where are we going? She said, I don't know. We're going to go for a builder, a city whose builder and maker is God. Well, I thought, you know, we were getting close. I don't know if we're close. Maybe over the next hill, might be over the next mountain, might be a month away, might be several days away. I don't know, honey. I just know he told me to keep walking until he tells me to stop. Do you ever pause to think about that? I mean, along the way, he hits Genesis chapter number 15. His name's Abram there. And the Lord says to him, I'm going to make a promise to you. Do you think God would have made that promise to that boy if he hadn't have followed the light that he had in the beginning? That's right. Do you think if he hadn't have started by faith to find that city whose builder and maker was God, that God would have stopped him along the way and say, Hey, I see you've been faithful to follow the light that you have. So I'm going to give you some more things. I'm going to make your seed and multiply you as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea. And you know what Abram says? Lord, how will I know? 
And he said, go build you an altar and make a sacrifice there. And 14 trips later, the Lord shows up there and makes a promise that is still in effect today. And that promise is going on right now. Somebody's trespassing on God's land right now. That's, that's not, that land doesn't belong to Palestinians. That's Roman anyway. That land doesn't belong. That land belongs to the nation of Israel. That's God's land. Well, preacher, I don't like that. That's not politically correct. I'm not talking about political correctness. I'm talking about the Bible. Ultimately, you're going to find that that's where it's all going to come out. Eventually, one day, everybody's going to come in line with what thus saith the Lord. But can I ask you this question, that supernatural revelation, that light that God gave to Abraham who winds up becoming the progenitor of at the time the Gentile and the nations of Israel, do you think that God would have given that to somebody who was not faithful in doing the least things first? Would it make any sense to you that he would have shown him uh, right at the very beginning everything he was going to do with him if he didn't wait to see whether or not if he could just do the least, the least things first? Sometimes we get so caught up in trying to do big things that we don't realize it's the little things that God watches. When you look at the building of the tabernacle, you look at the building, excuse me, of the temple, you have an artisifer that comes in there, Bezalel, and he is an artisifer and not just brass and wood and stone. He is across the board. He knows everything. And when the Lord lays out that plan, he lays out a thing on the top of the column, the top, not the top across to where the crown would go, the top of the column called the lily work. And nobody except the one that built that would even know that it was there except God looking down on it from above. You would have to get above that place in order to be able to look down upon it. That was up there for God to check the faithfulness of the builder. Hey, will you do something that no one else can see because I'm watching it because I want you to do it. Would you be willing to do that and nobody even know that it's there? Nobody see a picture of it. Nobody see a painting of it. Nobody see a blueprint of it. I just want to know, will you be as particular and as careful about the unseen as you are about the seen? And the Lord said, I want that in my temple, my tabernacle. I want it there. I want something that's just there for me to take a look at. You know, ladies and gentlemen, can I say this to you? That sometimes God will give you light and he asks you to do things that are in secret or in private. And the real test is when you realize that recognition and appreciation and pats on the backs and all the other kind of things like that. God's not looking for that. You know what He's looking for? Will you just be faithful to do what I've asked you to do? Amen. Along the way, you know what will happen? God may give you something supernatural He doesn't give everybody else. I'm talking about He doesn't give you the same amount of light as anybody else gets. He doesn't give you the same kind of light that everybody else has. Be careful about taking somebody else's light. You say, why? You might find that light's hot and shows every crack in your armor. You might find that that light don't make you look good. You might find that the light that you think you want and have so bad, you just got to have it so bad that if you were in that light, you would crack and crumble like an egg under a giant's heel. Be careful what you covet when you're coveting. Well, how come he gets that? Why does she get that? And why this and why that? Be careful about coveting someone else's light. If that light were to shine on you, you might not like what it shows. So what they do? They follow the like they had. He didn't give it. He looks like he gave it to three. I've read some commentators that say four. Whatever. Wise men is what I know. 
and they would have had an entourage that was there with them, but they're following after them. Can I just say this to you? He didn't give it to anybody but the wise men. Where you get the three is, is the gold, frankincense, and the myrrh. And it's probably three because the Lord does things in threes. But that's beside the point. The bigger issue is He doesn't give it to anybody else. Be careful about taking somebody's light. God knows when He gives somebody light whether or not they can handle the light. You know what I've learned? I've learned this, ladies and gentlemen. I've learned that if you're coveting someone else's light, it shows that you are disgruntled with the light God has given you. And in most cases, you haven't followed the light God gave you. You're blaming somebody else because they got the light and you don't. I've learned that God doesn't give everybody the same kind of light. I've learned that these wise men had to deal with the responsibility of being told something supernatural that he didn't tell everybody else. They were wise men. But they had a backbone like a saw log. They got ready to go, ladies and gentlemen, be like the Lord calling you and telling you to go to Syria right now and preach the gospel. To tell you to pack up and go to Saudi Arabia and go stand in the downtown square and preach the gospel knowing you're fixing to get your head cut off. That's what it would be like. Hey, we're going to go find this king. Really, what king? Oh, well, they said in the scripture. What scripture? The stuff that's been written out here in Isaiah and in Jeremiah and those kind of things. I mean, it's been written out there. As a matter of fact, there's a passage over there, an obscure passage, way back there in Numbers, that just said that his birth would be marked by a star. We just happen to believe that. What are you going to do? We're going to pack up what we have and we're going to go wherever he tells us to go. Where's that? Wherever the star's at. No GPS system. No map. Just we're going based on the light that we have. That wasn't a lot of light. And nobody had traveled that path before. Nobody even knew who it was or where it was. As a matter of fact, can I say this to you? Herod was there and Herod did not have the information that they did. Herod had all the wisest people that were there. The Pharisees, the Sadducees in the New Testament, they would have been there. All of the people, the religious people, all of the wise men of that day would be looking for whoever this is. He has not given them any light whatsoever. And they are within 10 miles of where the Lord is born within 10 miles. They've taken nearly two years to be able to travel and God's given them light that He hadn't given somebody in the closest proximity. Are you with me so far? They got light that even Herod doesn't have and Herod has at his disposal everything that's possible. Can I remind you of this? God gave a boy named Daniel. He gave him certain light that he did not give everybody else. The wisest men of all that were there trying to interpret a dream. And guess what? He gave that wisdom to Daniel and only Daniel. You can't have an artificial light. The wise man follows the real light. Even though there may only be a little bit of it, he'd rather follow a pen light than a halogen if he knows the source. The wise men get ready to pack up and leave over there. And can I say this? They're wise because they decided to walk by faith. And can I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen? You don't have to do anything other than follow the light that God's given you. Once you get saved, all of a sudden God begins to judge you based upon you accepting the light that He gives you. The old preacher used to say, light rejected becomes lightning. 
if God opens things up to you and you see those things and you begin to realize those things, believing those things, that's what causes it to effectually work in you. And when you believe that, the light gets brighter and you get more information. But can I say this? If you allow that truth to drop to the earth, the light continues to grow dimmer, not brighter. You begin to lose direction in times like that. And they began to set out there and looks like all of a sudden after the shepherds came when he was born and now they've gone. It looks like they're getting ready to pack up here shortly and head to Egypt, although they don't know that yet. And the Magi come in. The first thing that they would do is they would stop by there and they would check in with the political figures of those days because after all, they weren't leaving a small footprint. Can I say this to you, even though you find out that Herod is wicked, they still were wise enough to realize if we're going to be in another man's country, in another man's city, and there's a king that's over that, you know what we might ought to do? We might ought to check with the authorities before we go any further to let them know that we're not here to create problems for them. You say, what is that? That's wisdom. I guess some of you don't like that. You feel like, you know, it's an infringement upon your rights. No, if you're in somebody's house, you might want to ask them before you light one up. Yeah. You're in somebody's house, you might want to ask them before you put your stinking feet on their furniture. If you're in somebody else's house, you might want to, before you bring your pop the top and your six pack in there and your idea of nachos and beer and having a party and all, you might want to ask the owner of the house whether or not it's okay with them. Yeah. Can I say that? It replies in religious matters also. If you're going to go street preaching, you know what you better do? You better check with the authorities and make sure that we're there for street preaching. Can I just say this just for a second, ladies and gentlemen? Our job, even when it comes to street preaching, is not to carry some kind of a political agenda. Our idea is, is to preach the gospel. That goes across all boundaries and everything else. The gospel is for everyone. I don't care which side of the line you're drawn on. Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, in, out, up, down, all around, Biden, don't, Trump, this, I don't, it doesn't make a difference. We're there to preach the gospel, not to have a political affiliation or waving flags for whoever, what, no, no, uh-uh. My issue is I'm here to preach the gospel. You know what can happen? That agenda can get in the way of the gospel. Why are you here? I'm here to preach Jesus. Who's Jesus for? Whosoever will. You heard it saying today. For anybody that wants him. What do you accept the fact he's virgin born and he was lived and died and buried again, buried and rose again the third day. That's what he did. Well, was it me? It was a Jew? Yep, he was a Jew. What did he do? Died for Gentiles too. Would you like to get in? Well, are you a Republican or a Democrat? You think the Lord's going to check your part of your affiliation when you get to heaven? Oh, well, I'm anti this and that. No, you're all about yourself. You're, that's what the truth is. You're all about yourself. You're using God's platform for your agenda because it, all it is is an attention getter. That's all it is. It's just to try to get a spotlight. You're taking somebody else's light and the light you're taking is not from a person. It is from Him. When you use a pulpit, and this is for every preacher that's listening, and you use it for a political agenda or anti-governmental rhetoric, I'm telling you, you're stealing the spotlight. You better follow the light that got you here in the first place. Bless God, He didn't give you a pulpit to preach an agenda. He gave you a pulpit to preach Jesus. Very idea. I got a pulpit, so now I got an opportunity. Well, just go stand up on the soapbox at the house and let her rip tater chip. But when you're standing in God's pulpit, you need to park your agendas at the house. Amen. 
All you're doing is trying to get attention on you. You're grabbing the spotlight. You think you're in the light. It's artificial. That's His light. You've taken it off of Him. They come to Him in the New Testament. They're getting ready to have a big meeting. You know what they say? Sir, we would see Jesus. Why do you think they asked that? Because they hadn't seen Him in a while. They got together for meetings and it was about everything except Jesus. There's no reason for us to have a building next door and to fill it up like you did during the other previous meeting. There's no point at all if it's not to preach Jesus. Amen. There is nothing else we can do to help people any better and for anything else other than to preach Jesus. Amen. So a preacher, don't you believe? And I, No, I don't. I think the thing to do when it comes to public ministry is to preach Jesus. Amen. Shouldn't we be involved in the affairs of today? No, you're stealing the spotlight. Amen. Follow the light you had. Do you remember? I'm get off this in just a second. But do you remember when you first got saved that it was enough just to preach Jesus? Do you remember that? Do you remember that you didn't have to have all the other stuff in there? That you just were so enamored with Jesus and so wanted to lift Him up and so excited about Jesus? Somebody could get up and sing, sound like styrofoam lids running together and you'd be like, whoa, man, that was really good. I mean, the Holy Ghost gave you some kind of supernatural ears and everybody else is like, man, what in the world is that? And you go, man, wasn't that good? And then all of a sudden that's changed. Just Jesus isn't enough anymore. And we got to have sermons on UFOs and space creatures. We have to have political agendas and who to vote for and not vote for. And whether to have a pipeline or not have a pipeline. Why don't you deal with that otherwise? But here, how about we just make it about Jesus? How about we just follow the light we have? It's done us pretty good, hasn't it? It's still shining, isn't it? They were wise because they followed the light they had. They were wise because they didn't get discouraged with the distance and the inconvenience from where they started to where they were going to finish. You say, why would you say that? <laughs> so many distractions nowadays. You say, why? Preacher, I've been on this road a long time now. What does that mean? That means God has allowed you to keep sucking His air and to keep breathing just so you can gripe back with the very lips He gave you to praise Him with and all you do is gripe and complain. Like He's been bad to you for letting you stay around and suck His air. That's free. If you had to pay for it, reckon how much you'd pay for a bottle of air to keep you around for another few minutes. It's inconvenient. It's difficult. I get tired of people telling me, Preacher, I'm ready to retire. Retire? I'm ready to retire. Um, you're ready to retire? That's what you do when you've been working 30 years out in the world. You don't ever retire from being a Christian. When do you retire? Where do you get that? Can you show me that in the Bible? Jesus says, I'm going to retire now. I'm glad He didn't quit. I'm thinking to myself, where's His gold watch? I mean, he's been at it for over 6,000 years now. I mean, he should be getting a retirement party along the way, don't you think? But the truth is, is the fact is, is you don't appreciate that nobody's put a spotlight on you. And you've been doing it a long time. You deserve spotlight, don't you? Because you're special. Praise the Lord, it's Christmas message. Hallelujah. I'm the, Christmas, uh, the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> 
What are you so disgruntled about? Well, what did you expect when you're running contrary to the world? Did you not expect things to be difficult and hard along the way? Didn't you say when you got saved, Lord, you, hey, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. And then all of a sudden we're, we're disgruntled and we're upset because along the way we hit a pothole. Along the way, nobody brought us some fresh water or bread. Along the way. But we're still on the way. Can I say this to you? They didn't get disgruntled. I'm positive back in those days it was hot and dry and dusty. They didn't ride Cadillacs. They rode camels. Not the kind you smoke. I mean the kind that stink. One hump or two, that's all. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. Give me two. It'd be like a little more comfortable, I guess. And they rode animals and they slept outside. They didn't have air conditioning. Where are y'all going? We were waiting for that star to show back up. But last time we saw it, it was right over here in this particular place there. So we just started off there and we're just kind of keeping our eyes in that direction right there. And we're going to keep on going. Well, how long have you been going? Long time. When are you going to get there? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. What are you going to do? Get up tomorrow and do the same thing we did today. Cook a little breakfast, get a little coffee, uh, get a little bit of the scriptures in there, look for that star. Don't see it. Where we go? We're going the same direction we went yesterday, boys. Let's just keep going. You think we'll get there today? Sure hope so. Looking forward to it when I see him. Yeah, yeah but I ain't seen the star yet in a while. No, I'm walking by faith. According to the light I have. Yeah, but I mean, you're running low on food and low and running low on money and running low on this and that and the other. Matter of fact, why don't you take that gold, silver, and precious stones and hire you a Learjet and get there quicker? No, that don't belong to us. We're just in trust with it. We're taking that to somebody. Yeah, but see, you hadn't been there yet. Why are you holding on to it? Because it don't belong to us. We're not an Aiken. We taking that to somebody special. Yeah, but you haven't seen him now. But 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 we're headed in that direction. How many days you've been doing this? Long time. Can I say this? There wasn't a ticker tape parade. There wasn't a Pavarazzi. There wasn't anybody that even knew until they showed up in Herod's palace. Nobody even knew they were on the way. Goodbye to their family. Goodbye to their friends. Goodbye to everything. We're going over there. What? We're going to go look for him. Man, you talk about wise. Most people, you know what they'd say? They would be wise. They'd be looking at it and say, man, you're a fool to do something like that. I mean, where's the guarantee? There ain't none. Can I say this? They had enough sense to check in there with Herod and they listened to the story and they kind of boast a little bit and say, oh, you haven't read and you didn't know and this governor's going to be born here and so on and so forth and, and that kind of thing. And they get ready to go. And amazingly, after they've been faithful to do that, if you look in that passage, you know what you see? The Lord shows up. They're 10 miles from where his house is. It looks like until the first time they saw him, until now, they haven't seen him. But the Bible said they rejoice. You say, why? There ain't nothing like a second dose. Yes. Amen. There ain't nothing like, man, ain't this a blessing? Can I ask you this? If they'd have been off 10 miles, you think the Lord would have showed up? If they'd have just decided to go where they wanted to go instead of where God wanted, do you think that, that, you, you think that, he, that the Lord would have showed up? Do you think that the Lord shows up when you're not on the right path? Is it possible that the reason you haven't seen Him in quite some time is you're not even on the path He puts you on to start with? Is that even possible? Merry Christmas. I'm just saying, is it possible that you're the problem? You're on, your GPS is whacked out. You are broke. Amen. Amen. 
you started off, man, whatever you want, Lord, however you want it, Lord. I, Lord, I didn't think you'd do it like this, and I didn't think you'd do it like that. Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on you, but Lord, I just really... You think that he was showed up, you say, what happened? They got done talking to Herod, the Lord said, hey, right here, angel of the Lord showed up. Amen. That's God. Uh, it's a hard one now, but you've got to think about this. That's God in the crib. That's God in the sky. And that's God in heaven. He's an angel. He's up in heaven as the Father and He's down here on earth as a human being. Amen. All three at one time. Yep. See, how does He do that? I don't know, but I know when I got saved, I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I know right now there's a boy up there eating a cinnamon roll. Y'all believe what you want. I know He's up there right now. There's a name tag. I got a seat right up there at the table. You say, where am I? I think he probably put me close to him. Not because I'm in great fellowship, because he's afraid I'm run off somewhere. <laughs> I better keep you close by me, boy. Amen. And I know I'm still down here. Amen. But I know I have a desire to depart, which for me is far better. Amen. Don't you have a good down? Yeah, I do. I do. But compared to what's coming, Amen. there ain't no comparison. But can I just say this to you? They were wise because they followed the light they had until they got additional light. They just kept doing the same old monotonous thing. The routine duty. Thank God for a good bean counter. I would not want to do that every Monday. Help me, Lord. Data input. Different when we had 20 people. You start going over 300, that's a lot of... We need to buy you a new keyboard. But can I say this to you? There was nothing that indicates along the way that anything was other than routine. I thought y'all would be like, oh, like our life. Our life is like Chronicles. Every now and then you find a nugget. But the rest of it is like, really? A heshabub and a husabub and a seekabak, a boobahak, a yeehaw. I mean, you didn't believe in speaking in tongues. By the time you get through reading them names, you're thinking, well, maybe I am. I don't know what that is, right? I even have one of those Bibles that you can pronounce them with all the accent marks and all. It don't help. All it does is slow you down. And I want to like, can I just get through this? And then the old preacher said, well, you ever think one day that your name actually might be in there, but it's just a different name? And I'm like, oh, man, now I'm slowing down because I don't want to read over my name too fast, right? But can I say this to you? Because they followed the light they had and stayed on the right trail, the Lord showed them up and gave them additional light. The Bible said they were wise. So what happened? The angel of the Lord showed up and said, Hey, I'm right over here. Can I say this? They rejoiced because they got confirmation they were on the right path. You say, How? The Lord tried their faith and they remained faithful. And then the Lord showed up. And this time, instead of being a star, it's the angel. You don't have to read in there and go, well, we know angels are star in Revelation 1 or Revelation 11. And we know them. And we don't. No, no, you don't have to read. It's an angel. Hey, guys. Here's the house. Drop a pin on it. Right here. This is the house you're looking for. You don't need a numerical address or street name. Probably called straight, but at any rate, <laughs> in the city of Holy Hall. Anyway, you know what happens? They go up there, 
Look, if you will, please look in the, in the passage there. They followed that additional light in verse number 9. And in verse number 11, the Bible said their real motive came out. The Bible says, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, always the child before the mother, another message. And they fell down and they did what? You say, what's worse? The greatest form of worship is obedience. I wonder if they hadn't been doing what the Lord wanted them to do. I just wondered. Just, just wondering. Would they have been as quick to fall down to worship Him? If they knew they weren't doing what they were supposed to do? This isn't a meeting with Saul on the road to Damascus. This is, man, we found who we're looking for. And just like Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice, they got down there and they worshiped the Lord and said, Lord, you know what? It's not we're going to be obedient. We've been obedient. To follow the light we have. Can I tell you the gift that was given to them was the fact that they had their faith confirmed by sight? And everybody else, including their wagon train, are thinking these guys are crazy. They call them wise. They're imbeciles. We've been traveling around here for over two years. And we hadn't seen nothing. And then boom, there he is. But I want to say this, they're wise because when they came, they didn't come empty-handed. Look, in the passage, they brought something to him. You see that in verse number 11? The Bible said they brought him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Listen, don't, don't get hung up now on what I'm about to say to you. But I do believe it is a biblical principle that worship is connected with your willingness to give of yourself and of your substance. It shows that you've got some skin in the game. And whether you ever learn that or not, that's entirely up to you. But it's interesting, they're called wise men. Because when they left the house, they had set aside some things for the Lord when they met Him. They intended to find Him, and if they didn't find Him, I don't know what would have happened to the gifts, but they never dipped into the till. That stuff was already set aside. I wonder if the Lord would call us wise men today. Don't we come follow the light we have? We get a couple of verses and we come to church and we're looking for the light. And the Lord said, well, here I am. And we worship Him. And then it's kind of like we expect a great revival at bargain basement prices. I'm talking about your commitment. I'm not talking about your wallet. Your willingness. You, you, you want to see the Lord, but you kind of want to see Him on your time schedule. You kind of want to see Him in your place and your time frame and the way you want Him to be. And hey, Lord, I can't Sunday schools. I can't make that happen. You can make your business meeting. But, you, but, but it's, that's just too early on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And so you come Sunday, it's kind of like, well, as long as He gets here by noon. But I, you know, can't really stretch out. And Sunday night, I know there's exceptions. But listen to me, Lord, you're, but, but see the bargain basement price Wednesday night? I didn't say you have to come at 6 o'clock. But you maybe come at 7. But I wonder if sometimes we're expecting the Lord to do something for us. And can you tell me this? Can you find out for me what they got in return? I can't preach this as a prosperity message where they gave all that and the Lord gave them, filled their coffers full. They threw it up with a spoon and it came down with a shovel. I can't, I can't. You know what the Bible says? They gave. Where did they get? You know what they got? They got to see the Savior. Yep. Amen. And you know what? Amen. Amen. 
it was enough. Think about it just a minute now. They got to see something other people didn't get to see. And they knew who it was when they were seeing him. They knew he was the king. Where is he that is born what? The what? They knew who it was. Other people saw the baby. They didn't know who it was. You know what it was? It was enough for them to get that. They didn't like, hey, Lord, I brought you this now. You know, we walk like Egyptians around here. We give, but... How am I doing? Is it not enough just to see Jesus? Where's my return? Where's your return? Can I explore your motive for just a moment? It looks like the men are wise because they gave without expect expectation. Just seeing Jesus was enough. They're like, hey, we got to see Jesus and we got to give Him. Can I just say this to you? God used the gold, silver, and precious stones. Bear with me for just a minute now. Mary had to offer supposedly a lamb for the purification after the birth. Remember that? Mary and Joseph were so poor, they couldn't afford a lamb. They had to offer a turtle dove and a pigeon. That's like on the bottom scale. They couldn't bring a lamb. They didn't realize they had the lamb in their hands. But at any rate, that's another story. Oh, that would preach right there. <laughs> you know, here's the lamb. Just let us... Anyway, right? How'd they get to Egypt? How'd they survive until Herod died? How'd they survive until after Herod's son came to reign? Somebody provided gold and silver and gold and frankincense and... You say, what was it? God financed the rest of that trip. They invested in Jesus' ministry two years after Jesus was born and took care of Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus. Can I say this? There is a benefit to his brothers and sisters. Because Joseph had to quit his job as a carpenter. He was on the lamb. <laughs> he was running. He was in Egypt. He couldn't work. He'd outed himself. How'd they survive? God provided from three wise men who just followed the light they had. They had no idea what God was going to do with what they had to give. They thought it was enough. We're getting to go find the king of the Jews. Can I say this? They were wise also. I got to say this. They were wise because when they left, that same angel appeared to him again and said, Herod is a liar. And you don't, it, mm -mm. don't go back the way you came. Mm. You already know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> they left different than when they came. Amen. Meeting with Jesus actually changed them. Yes, <laughs> and it changed their direction. Yes. So how do you get all that? It's right in the passage. That's what it says, doesn't it? Yes. And they went it back a different way. You can preach that. You don't have to be a preacher of this kind of like, man, that's pretty good. You say what? Meeting Jesus should change your direction. 
you should fix you where you don't want to go back to the world. You don't want to go back to the clubs. You don't want to go back to all of the things. I don't have to list it. I'm going back a different way. Now watch and I'm done. Look at the response of Herod. He gets so mad because the wise men didn't come back and tell him the collateral damage is great. He kills every baby, not just there in Bethlehem, in the whole area. You see that in the passage? That's a lot of babies. Two years of age and under. The cost of following Jesus sometimes is expensive. Imagine how Jesus would have felt like that as he grew up. You know, they were trying to kill you. And as a result, a lot of babies died. Knowing some mama bears that I know, I bet laying right next to that baby was a mama. And in many cases, a daddy. I mean, it wasn't just babies. Some of you, if somebody were to take your baby, don't you tell me that you wouldn't stand there and fight until they killed you first. I guarantee you, you would. Boy, the bloodshed. How horrible that must have been. You say, well, what happens? Well, if you're doing what God tells you to do, don't expect the rest of the world to embrace you. If you're going to be a wise man, you have to also expect that not everybody's going to embrace and be able to see what you see because they don't have the light that you have. Three wise men had more light than the king. Three wise men had more light than Herod or Herod's son. Three wise men had more ability to understand that light than all the most intellectual people in the palace. But can I say this to him? The world rejected him then. And the world rejects him now. And because you are wise and you follow after him, they're going to reject you too. What does that mean? I got to stay on the path and follow the light that I have. Pray that he gives me additional light. Until he does, I'm glad to have a flashlight. Appreciate it. Glad to have a lantern. My daddy used to describe it like this. He says, you ever been out in the woods? He said, back in the days, they'd go out to, they had the outhouses back then. You have to go down the pathway. Some of you don't have to tell your age, but you know how far that goes, right? And he'd say, you go out there, and he said, you had, all you have was a lantern. You can't take a candle, it blows out. You have a lantern out there. This was before Coleman lanterns, and he said, you'd hold the lantern like this, and it would light the step you were at. And he said, every time you moved, it would light your next step. If you raised it up like this, it blinds you. You had to always keep it down here. The only thing that you could see in the light was when you stepped out, you couldn't even see your face. Somebody looks and all they see, they just see a light moving. You just see a light moving. Didn't run with the light. You walked with the light. As he is in the light, and you have fellowship, the one. Amen. What are you doing? Just following the light. Following the light. Where are you headed? I don't know. Right there. 
What happened? I'm, I'm going another three feet. Well, what about... Yeah, but where are you? I, I can't see out there. Why don't you lift it up a little higher? Yeah, see, the problem with that is I lose my... got to keep it down. Just three wise men. But boy, some things that we can learn from those wise men. I'm going to say this, and I'm, I, the hour I was done, I'm going to say this, and I'll close. Can you find me their names? You know why they're not in there? That's the author's intention to leave them out of the passage. So you can decide whether or not you want to put your name in there as a wise man. But they're wise enough, sir, to know better than to associate their name with being wise. Do you like your name put in there? No, sir. No, I can put your name in there as a wise man. Mm -mm. No, sir. <laughs> That'll go to my head. <laughs> Aren't you the three that found Jesus? Yes, sir. I mean, don't you want people to know? No, sir. You say, why? Might bring me fame, might bring me fortune, might bring me recognition, and might train wreck me. Yep. Amen. Isn't it interesting that the author leaves their names out? Because part of being wise is knowing that being wise doesn't mean that you're always recognized as wise.